Hi, I'm Carmen LaBurge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge. Happy Labor Day, and thanks for listening to this special Best of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge on Faith Radio. watching. Good morning, people watchers. I know it's radio, so you're not really actually watching, but people watching. It's not going to surprise you that I'm a people watcher. I love to watch people. Um, My guess is that you are like me and most of us, that we think that even though we're watching people, other people aren't watching us. Now, my mom told me when I was little that you should be careful of that because other people are always catching a glimpse of you. So you might imagine that No one's actually watching you. But trust me, you're doing something personal and you're parked in the parking lot of the grocery store. Somebody's watching you. Um, So, you know, let's be mindful of the people watchers. Uh, I find it curious that there is this gap in perception in terms of our belief that we could watch other people, but that other people wouldn't be watching us. So anyway, give yourself a little uh, conscious thought of that right now. If you're in a public place, chances are somebody is catching a glimpse of you. The story today um, in our Growing Your Faith verse of the day comes from Luke chapter 21, and it's actually uh, kind of a casual, I saw what you did there, people watching story. It's a story about Jesus, and Jesus is clearly here watching people. So Luke 21 verses 1 to 4. While Jesus was in the temple, He watched the rich people dropping their gifts into the collection box, and then a poor widow came, and she dropped in two small coins. I tell you the truth, Jesus said, this poor widow has given more than all the rest of them, for they gave a tiny part of their surplus, but she, poor as she is, has given everything she has. So Jesus is people-watching. Jesus was people watching in the temple on that day, and Jesus is people watching right now. I mean, like right now, seated at the right hand, seated at the right hand of the Father. Um, Jesus is people watching, and he's going to come again to judge the living and the dead. And in the meantime, uh, in all the time that's passed since his ascension into heaven, following his resurrection, and in all the time that will pass before his return, Jesus is people watching. Yes, he's interceding for those who love him pleading on their behalf, but he's people watching today. He sees us today. He sees you today. He sees me today. And so what does he see? Does he see people who are passing by those in need? Or does he see people who are taking the time to invest in others? Does he see people who are, well, dropping gifts into the proverbial collection plate of the day out of our wealth or out of our surplus? Or does he see people giving sacrificially, even all that we have? Jesus is people watching. What will he see as he watches you and as he watches me? You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. 
Well, on this Labor Day, I thought it would be really fun to have a conversation with Dave Buring about the way that God makes disciples in every vocation. His book is The Great Opportunity, Making Disciples of Jesus in Every Vocation, and we're going to talk about it on this Labor Day. Dave, welcome back. Hey, how are you doing today? Are you taking a little bit of a day off on Labor Day? Yes, yes. They are hearing us talk with one another, not actually on Labor Day, but they're hearing it on Labor Day. So happy Labor Day oh. to everybody, as both Dave and I are taking a day off on Labor we're Day. Not la- mm-hmm. We're not laboring today. Mm-mm. We labored in advance so that we would not have to labor today. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so we often think about God loving us um, and God loving our people and maybe even God loving creation. I'm not sure that we think about God loving our jobs. So can we talk <laughs> a little bit about, you know, God's character who God is, that God's actually working, and that God cares about our work as well? Yeah, and I think, you know, just grounding it scripturally, we see it right away in Genesis where, you know, here God puts Adam and Eve in this beautiful garden, and he just doesn't have them, you know, kind of just walk around and eat fruit and swim in the pond. And, you know, he actually sets him to work, uh, naming animals, uh, being a, a gardener, tending it. So, we see right away that that there's this connection that God has with us and what we do, uh, whether we call it our job, our vocation, you know, our career. And I think it's an important thing to to recognize that God wants to walk with us in it, just like He did with Adam and Eve in the garden. And when you look at God's character, one of the things that I think is important is to recognize that we can find his character attached to vocations. Uh, For example, um, you you look at God as builder. Like if you're in the construction world or you're really good with your hands and can, you know, build things, do you realize that God is the one that gives the details in Genesis 6 of building Noah's Ark? We also see him making the Ark of the Covenant functional and beautiful and he was very specific on he wanted this kind of wood and he wanted it built this way and so you you begin to look at god a little differently carmen when you you kind of see him through scripture in light of his character being attached to our vocations and and, you know we can look at different ones of these but that that's a great one is is looking at noah yeah so i think when we think about god being a master builder um, you know, there there are certain images that certainly like right come to mind yeah. um, from Scripture even beyond those. And I guess, you know, the stone that the builders rejected has become the chief sto- cornerstone. Like yeah. this is upon my rock, I build this church. I mean, God is in the building business. And yeah. so that's that's really cool to think about. Um, what about um, what about a, a vocation like mine, like right in the yeah. area of arts or entertainment? Um, or even sports. Yeah, and I and and you know even going broader too with with media. Like I always mm. think it's interesting because media, there's a lot of images, there's a lot of words, and I love how Jesus is referred to in the scriptures as the Word of God. Mm. And it's like like again, there's God's character being expressed in something that we do. When you look at arts, entertainment, and sports, it's like Cheryl and I, you know, are 
heading to Hawaii. And by the time this is aired, we'll just be getting back. And it's a pr place for us that we met. We were married. We lived there for seven years. So it's a it's not just typical Hawaii, how we think of it. There's relationships, there's meaning, but there's also this beauty aspect. And like, do we look at sunsets and sunrises through the lens of God's character? It, it like it, it reveals the beauty of the Lord, like on Oahu, when we're there, we'll be on the big island of Hawaii. We'll spend a few days on Oahu on the front end. And sometimes you, because we're five hours difference time-wise, like I'm awake at like four in the morning. You know, I, I'm just wide awake and my body clock is saying, hey, dude, it's nine o'clock. What are you doing in bed? And so Shell and I will sometimes go down on Waikiki Beach and we'll watch the sun rise over Diamond Head. And you see this, you know, it's all black. And then all of a sudden, just a little bit of light. You can see the outline of the mountain. And then, you know, it, the sun coming all the way up till it then, you know, ascends and kind of rules over the Pacific Ocean. But you watch this process. And it's an amazing thing. And, and I view that as God, the artist. And, you know, when we see the sunset in Hawaii, everybody kind of pauses, uh, particularly if you're on a break or on vacation and you watch, because when the sun sets, there's this little thing called the green flash. And it's not really a flash, but just as the sun is setting, the very top of it, just before it sinks into the Pacific Ocean, it turns green for about a second. And then it, then it's, you know, you can't see it anymore. And and again, you're just kind of looking God, the designer, God, the craftsman, God, the artist. And you see that throughout media, arts, entertainment and sports. And I think it's something that is important for us to realize that if you are called by God to serve in that particular vocation, he wants to express some of those kinds of things through you. It's so good. It's so good. So have you ever thought about how God is expressing his character through your vocation, um, through education, through maybe um, your family, through your, the role that you play in, in health and medicine? Um, maybe, maybe you've not thought about the way God is expressing his character through you in business. We want to challenge you to consider that this morning. We're going to continue our conversation here on this Labor Day with Dave Beering. Um, his book on this subject, which unpacks this more completely, is The Great Opportunity, Making Disciples of Jesus in Every Vocation. You can always find um, related resources at lionshare.org. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. My friend Shelly Como sent her 17-year-old daughter off on a Monday morning, and she could not have known that for her this day would become that day. Emily didn't come home to her mom, but she did go home that day to her heavenly father. She was prone to write in her journal, life is short, eternity is long, make it count. I'm Carmen LeBurge, host of Mornings with Carmen. What are you doing today on this day that's going to count on that day? It's fundraising season here. Life is short, eternity is long, make it count. Give now at MyFaithRadio.com. Continuing our conversation with Dave Buring on this Labor Day. So happy Labor Day to everyone listening. I hope you are um, finding an opportunity today to rest from your labors a little bit. We're talking about um, how God expresses his character in your vocation. So Dave, if somebody is in business, um, how might they see God expressing his character in business? Yeah, well, again, I think there's um, various ways that we can look at that. Like, you know, with, with business, you've got entrepreneurial kind of muscles that some people have. And 
you know, when you think about it as God in creation, he created something out of nothing. And business people will often do that. They've got a vision for something, a company that can help people make a difference in society. And so God as creator is a great aspect of his character to look at how God went about doing that. And there's some really interesting things when you when you study the first couple chapters of Genesis and you also read the what we call the Christmas story in the Gospels of Jesus's birth. So the birthing of creation and Jesus's birth that there's some really good principles there that I want to encourage you to, to uh, read through that and look for on how do you launch something in a godly way. Um, when you also look at uh, the business, uh, businessman or businesswoman, you see that, for example, in the parable in Matthew 25, that God expects a return on his investment. I and so, yeah, I do too. And so like, like, have you looked at your own life through the lens of God has invested something of himself in you. And just as not, and we can get the heavy word of accountability, but it's more just out of love for him. God, I want you to get the best return on your investment in and through my life. So yeah, when I you know, think we, about, when I think about him, you know, pouring his Holy spirit into us, I'm like, God's made this investment. Like what, what is his ROI on that? Like, I, yeah. you know, it's not, he didn't just give me his Holy Spirit for his Holy Spirit to not then have an opportunity to multiply. Um, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, there you go. I, yeah, just, no, I love yeah. that one. That one's really I, good. I, I do too. Yeah, I do too. And I think, you know, for business people, like when I'm meeting with them, I'll kind of tee them up in a teasing way and I'll say, hey, w- tell me what your bottom line is. And of course, I start getting numbers like, well, this year our company, it's 1.5 <laughs> million or 500,000 mm-hmm. or 10 million. And I said, no, 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 no. I'm not looking for the financial bottom line. Like what's your bottom line of why you do what you do? And for them to realize that their products or services that they offer, that there really is um, an attitude they can have of serving other people and meeting needs. I, I even think, Carmen, things like customer service, which has become a, you know, a valued thing that businesses do, the motivation if you just tweak it a little bit, can become much more meaningful because it's really biblical. It's it, you're, In other words, we get sucked into, you do customer service, so more people come in to our store or take our products and services so they spend more money, so we can make more money. Rather than realizing, hey, don't go there. Instead, go to the place of, hey, let's take our products and services and let's serve people well. And here's what I've learned. If you serve people well, they come back and drink at your well. And and the motivation changes. And it's because you realize God's heart is serving. God's heart is wanting to meet needs and he wants to pour that through you. And as you do, he'll bless you. So I, I think there's some really cool things that you can look at, like God's character and his ways through business like that. Mm-hmm. Might be easy for you um, if you are in healthcare or medicine um, to think about, you know, God not only as the source of care and the giver of life, but the great physician and the one who heals and consoles. Mm. Um, maybe if you are in education, um, this is also maybe one that's kind of easy for us because we think about the way that uh, we are disciples and we think about uh, teaching mm-hmm. and Jesus as uh, as the teacher and all knowledge and wisdom being rooted in God and coming from God. I think the family one maybe is a easy mm-hmm. place to see the character mm-hmm. of God as well. But um, what about um, how the character of God is expressed in government and like law, national security? I think I think sometimes those are harder to see for people. Yeah, 
Yeah. And I, again, if we go again, Christmas storying, you know, you get into Isaiah mm. and you see him as, you know, the governor, the king of kings, the Lord of lords. You see some of those kinds of things expressed. But I think one of the key things in light of the days that we're living in is God is a righteous and just judge. It's it's like he is not just going to make judgments based on how he's feeling that day or how that person's attitudes are towards him. He is just. And I think that's a really important thing for us to to recognize that God leads with justice. He leads with kindness. And so, you know, as we serve in, in the vocations of, of government or law or security like police, fire, military, it's recognizing that there is a a place God wants to use you to exercise righteousness, to exercise justice. And uh, I, I think that's something when you pause to look at that through your lens of what you do, it changes how you view the people and why you're doing what you're doing. It's not just about you and climbing ladders and getting titles and positions. It's actually about every place of influence that God gives you is actually for other people. It changes the way you serve. Yeah, I'm not doing this for I'm not doing this for a paycheck, or I'm not doing this for a human um, organization, or quote unquote master or boss. I'm doing this for mm-hmm. the Lord, and mm-hmm. I'm doing it mm-hmm. then as unto the Lord. Um, yes, Colossians three twenty three. I'm thinking. Yeah, um, yeah. I think those are really really helpful. Um, science and technology. Um, maybe that would be one we could touch on. We've got a couple of minutes left. Yeah, that that one's kind of a fun one for me because it was my stretching point, Carmen. Um, I don't know, a decade, 15 years ago, as I was really thinking this through, I thought, okay, how does God, is God attached to technology? Hmm. And and all of a sudden it dawned on me, it was about the speed, right? Because technology, like if you think about it, Technology, when we first, you know, got on our computers and your very first email, which, you know, had a bunch of numbers at CompuServe or something on it, you know, and you go online and you hear bomb, bomb, bomb. And, and, and now, like, we're uptight if, if our phone, our computer, our tablet's not responding to us within a second or two. And the whole thing of technology is about increasing speed capacity. And it dawned on me, like, God's thought process God's presence, all that is like speed wise is just boom. It's like it's it's right there. And so technology can be expressed as we look at God's character in the speed of God and how, you know, he can he can think a thought now and he can be present, you know, seeing what's going on on the planet of Mars at the same time, the ladybug in Japan. He sees all that now and and. It's something that all of a sudden captured my imagination and realizing, wow, the speed of God in his thoughts and his presence and all those different things and realizing technology, so much of it is based on that and realizing that, okay, technology is even rooted in the character of God as well. I think that the the drive to explore... um, all the ways to the, you know, to the depths of the ocean, to the widest expanse of the heavens, but then also to explore like to the, to the smallest nano, nano yeah. thing that we can. 
like there the reason not only that we wonder about those things but also i think the reason that we feel safe exploring those is because there's nowhere that we can go in science that you know god isn't i mean yes. he 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 is there he did it he made it he's enjoying it um and once we get to see it and experience it you know we wonder um, at the wonder of it all. And so yeah. you know, we want to encourage people in the sciences to continue to ask questions and explore, yes. you know, to the highest heights and to the deepest depths and to the smallest things and to the widest expanse, because um, we want we want to know more and we appreciate that you go there um, on, you know, uh, on our behalf and on God's behalf yes. as well. Dave, what fun. Um, thank you so much on this Labor Day for helping us to see the character of God in all that we do, whatever we do in our work. Thanks, Carmen. Hope you have a good time off. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Happy Labor Day. How are you uh, laboring in uh, in this wonderful vineyard of the world where God has set us as, as his stewards? Um, how are you going out into the field ripe uh, for harvest? Are you a laborer in that as well? God wants to be advancing his kingdom in and through you today. How's that happening? We're going to continue our conversation in just a moment. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. So on this Labor Day, you're listening to a special edition of Mornings with Carmen. Um, it occurs to me that there are a lot of folks who didn't really need a day off today because they aren't actively working. Um, or they are working today because they don't have the kind of job from which you get a day off on Labor Day. And so um, I wanted us to think for just a moment about particularly young men, um, young adult men who really don't seem to have found their way yet. They don't really know who they are. They don't really know why they're here. They don't know what they're going to do. Um, maybe you know somebody like that. Maybe you have thought of that young man as a, as a young man who has lost his way. Maybe he has wandered off into feudal living like the prodigal son. Maybe he's just lost his way in the midst of the vanity fair of the days in which we live, all the temptations of the world. I know you're praying for him, but what about helping him actually find his way? Would you be interested in doing that? Would you be interested in helping a young man find his way today through what Jesus describes in Matthew chapter 7 as the narrow gate? Jesus says, wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. Many enter through it, but small is the gate and narrow the way that leads to life, and only a few find it. Um, Bill and Stacy Spencer are helping young men find that narrow way today. Um, they have this ministry actually called Narrow Gate, and I wanted to share with you again the conversation that we had um, with them. So as you're listening, here's your challenge. I want you to ask God to bring to mind a young man, 18 to 25 years old, who needs an opportunity to find his way onto the narrow way that leads to life. And then I want you to recommend that he check out the gift that God is giving right now through the ministry of Narrow Gate. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Joining us now, Stacy and Bill Spencer um, from Narrow Gate. You can find what we're talking about today at narrowgate.org. Good morning, friends. Good morning, Carmen. Good morning. Good morning. All right. So where is this narrow gate and who walks through it? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a tricky question, isn't it? Um, 
Where is the narrow gate? If you're speaking biblically, we know exactly who that is. His name's Jesus, and how you walk through it's a, a pretty standard prescription. But if you're asking where our property is, we're in Middle Tennessee, uh, south of Nashville, a good distance, a good distance enough that cell phones don't work where we live. We've got about 120 acres of property south of Nashville, and it's a great retreat to get away and ask a couple of pretty definite questions that every young man needs to know the answer to. Who am I and why am I here? So, Stacy, is it actually possible to know that? Is it possible to know who you are and why you're here? Absolutely. You know, Carmen, I, Bill and I are in our uh, mid-50s, and growing up, like many people, we found out who we were and why we're here uh, by looking at the culture. And it wasn't until both of us had an encounter with Christ and the Word of God that we discovered who we are and why we're here. It goes way beyond um, making a living choosing a career path, making decisions about college. Uh, there are much deeper questions to be asking about who I am and why I'm here. And we've discovered, as I'm sure many of your listeners have, that those answers are really only found in the text of Scripture. And so Narragate is a place where we help young men discover that too. Um, not every young man that comes to Narragate starts with a belief that Scripture is even valid or trustworthy. So we start all the way at the beginning, and uh, we accept young men wherever they are on their faith journey, and we help them to build a foundation of faith um, that, that trusts the Scripture for being that source of truth. And then when they open the Word of God and discover what God has to say to them about who they are and why they're here, it's transformative. I know that uh, you're listening right now and you're saying to yourself, hey, where now that I know a little bit more about it, where did Carmen say I could find it? Narrowgate.org. Narrowgate.org. It's um, it's long. Like you're not talking about, you know, a weekend or even a, a week or even a month. You're, you're talking about something that um, that takes some time, which is legit. Like that feels legit to me. T- talk about this process. You know, a, a young man wants, I mean, he's he's at a point in life that could look like what? Because I think that the diversity of the guys who you have met over the course of time and who have walked this journey with you um, or with whom you have walked their journey, probably better said, um, there's a really diverse group of people. Um, so maybe, you know, maybe even reach into one of these stories and like, tell us, Tell us a story of, of, of a young man so that we can get a sense of what's going on. Yeah, let's let's deal with the middle part of that question first. You're talking about the diversity of the young men that we deal with. A lot of times people ask us, so do you work with troubled youth? Okay, first off, we take guys 18 to 25. So technically, they're not youth anymore. They're adults. And it has to be their choice to come. And the second part of that question, do we work with troubled young men? We figure anybody that doesn't already know who they are and why they're here in this world, they're kind of in trouble because they're going to walk aimlessly through life for a while to give you a story of, of one young man. And please understand, this is not typical of every young man. Every guy's story is as individual as the guy who shows up. But we had a young man who was absolutely brilliant in school, like a like an academic uh, savant almost, an incredibly talented writer. But he couldn't figure out how to take that academic accomplishment and apply that in life in a way that he really, truly succeeded and felt fulfilled. And it got desperate enough for him that he was riding around one night in his pickup truck and called his uncle, who lived a couple towns away in Texas. And his uncle said, hey, what are you doing? He said, I'm trying to figure out a reason that I should wake up and be here tomorrow morning. Mm. And his uncle 
she point that pickup truck my direction and we'll have breakfast and talk about it. So he drove through the night, wound up in a little town in West Texas where we happened to be speaking and, and talking to some parents about you know, what they could do to get their adult, young adult sons headed the right direction. And we got introduced to this young man. He chose to come to Narragate, which is an eight month process. And we can talk a little bit about why it's eight months, you know, why we, why we do what we do and how we do it. Because birth and rebirth take a long time. <laughs> yeah. Nine, nine months to cook them up the first time. So it doesn't, doesn't, it's not surprised to me. It takes, you know, it takes eight months to recook them. It's okay. I mean, Carmen, if you think about it, Jesus spent three years with the 12 guys Amen. that we have gospel, right? So we look at guys and tell them eight months is just a good start. Like that's, that's just a place to, to get a mind. That, that's what we've discovered is the length of time necessary to get a shift in mindset and in practice that's durable, something that can actually last going forward. This young man, to finish the story out, uh, came to Narrowgate, wound up working here in Middle Tennessee for a while, moving back to West Texas, is now married, has a couple of beautiful children, and works uh, as a local firefighter, and I have absolutely no doubt will wind up being the the fire chief of the the town where he lives before it's all over with, because he discovered what God said about who he is and what God said about why he's here, and he's living out that calling to serve his community and serve his family. All right, if you go to visit narrowgate.org and you you click around a little bit, you'll see all kinds of um, amazing resources and you'll see coffee, and you'll see leather. There's all kinds of things going on. It's not like you're just sitting in Bible study for eight months. Can you talk a little bit about what happens at uh, Narrowgate Lodge? Sure, sure. What we've discovered over the past 20 years, it's hard to believe, uh, Carmen, but Narrowgate's about to be 20 years old. Um, God did a, a move in our lives 20 years ago, and we started inviting young men to move into our home. At that point, it was a three-bedroom, two-bath house. And uh, over the past 20 years, we've had over 500 young men that have come to live with us. So I like to joke around and say that I, I can say that I'm a woman who've li- who's lived with over 500 men. <laughs> but anyway, uh, it's been in a good, good cost, uh, Christian way. Don't worry. But here at Narrowgate, we um, over the um, over the course of the unfolding of what Narrowgate was going to be, because it's been an evolutionary process for us over the past 20 years. Uh, we discovered that a lot of young men um, learn kinesthetically. And so putting their hands to a task um, for men to be able to build and create things um, just helps them to explore the image of God inside of them, to be creators, to be builders, to be makers. And so we created a wood shop, a leather shop, a metal shop here on our property. And we have a sawmill as well. And the guys learn how to use all of that equipment. They discover creativity in the wood shop. Uh, Guys who have never worked with tools get the opportunity to work with tools. And as they did that, they started creating beautiful products um, that some other people suggested. Maybe we consider starting a little business. So we started a little business. Uh, Those businesses have grown. That was over 10 years ago. And those little businesses are no longer little. We added a coffee roasting business to it a few years ago. So we do have a leather business, a coffee business, and a very successful uh, woodworking business. Uh, We ship products all across the country. uh, And uh, it's a way for us to tell the story of Narragate, but also provide employment opportunities to graduates. Uh, They're actually running the companies. Bill and I do not run the companies. Our graduates are leading these companies, and they're learning how to make disciples in the workplace. So disciple making doesn't just happen in the church or at the at the 
church building. Disciple making should happen as a as an aspect of every one of our lives. And we can do disciple making in the workplace. And so we have our graduates modeling that and doing that uh, right here in Middle Tennessee with those with those businesses. It's just so exciting and so extraordinary. Um, again, you're, if you're listening right now and you're like, I need to know more. I've got a guy I want to recommend. I maybe want to introduce him to some resources. All of that is available at narrowgate.org. You can also um, check it out on Facebook, Narrowgate Foundation. Let's um let's circle back uh, here in just a moment, uh, Bill and Stacy, and let's tell more stories because I think that as people begin to understand, you know, who shows up, who then you know, eight months later lives, leaves a different person. Like it just, it helps us to know the stories. And so would you tell us another story in just a moment? Maybe one of the ones that's included in the Discover a Life That Matters book, because I think that those 20 stories, you know, that's such a great thing to put in the hands of a guy who we might be introducing to this as an opportunity. Those 20 stories, I think, really provide like a vision for what might happen for for him. Could we could we do that in just a moment? Absolutely. Happy to. All right. We're talking with Stacy and Bill Spencer. One of the books available um, at the Narrowgate website, which is narrowgate.org, is Discover a Life That Matters. And we're going to hear one of those stories up next. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Freely you have received, freely give. Might sound like a bumper sticker, but it's actually a Bible verse, a worldview, and a way of life. I'm Carmen LeBurge, host of Mornings with Carmen. Imagine in your mind's eye for just a moment that your life is like a rooftop rainwater collection system. God showers blessings down upon you. Your barrels are full to overflowing. So now, do you dig a cistern or do you allow those gifts to flow through you into the lives of others around you? Freely you have received. Freely give. Connecting faith to life. Faith Radio. There's no question that as you uh, look around today, you recognize that uh, we got a lot of young men who, by some definitions, are failing to launch. Um, another way of understanding that is that they they haven't been exposed um, in a way that they can apprehend. Um, they haven't been exposed to the truth of who they are, to their identity. And if you don't know who you are, then you're just going to flail around. Um, and so... How do we as Christians intervene and how do we offer um, an experience through which a, a young man might come to understand who he is and therefore what in the world he's in the world to do and then walk that out um, into the world as a person who knows they're loved by God um, purposefully on mission for him. So that is a synopsis of what takes place through Narrowgate and you can find them at narrowgate.org. Bill and Stacy Spencer are here with us today. Uh, Narrowgate was founded in their home 19 years ago now. And since then, more than 500 young men, 18 to 25, um, have walked through this particular narrow gate at Narrowgate Lodge and walked back out into the world as different men. So, um, Bill, why don't you take us into one of the stories that we hear in the Discover a Life That Matters book, because that chronicles 20 stories of these young men. Yeah, it was hard to pick 20, I promise you. After having 500 young men that we consider as sons in the faith, it's tough to pick 20, but uh, it was a good place to start. I think I need to say this before we get into this story, Carmen. The thing that makes Narrowgate work 
is the fact that we're instructed to be transformed by the renewing of our minds, that how we think is going to have a direct dictate on how we act. I think everybody that's, that listens to your show every day, is they can associate with the fact that when you wake up in the morning, you step into a routine that you're familiar with. The, you know, grab a cup of coffee, the cell phone you grab, the clothes you wear, the car you drive, all of those things you do because you believe that's who you are. But the question you have to ask is, where did you learn that? Who taught you that? You know, you can go back to Genesis when, when God is walking through the garden and he calls out to Adam and Adam's hiding. He says, where are you? He says, I'm hiding. And God says, why? The first existential statement ever made by man about man is made right there. He says, because I am naked. And God's response is, oh, who told you that? Where did you get that? The inference being, you didn't get that from me. So that's who we deal with. We deal with the collection of young men who have been told by society, this is who you are and how you should act. Does that make sense so far? Totally, 100%. Yes. Okay. So second guy that ever moved in our house. I mean, we're going we're gonna to run back and see if this thing is durable, if it actually lasts long term. The second guy that ever moved in our house is a guy named Rob Rogers. Rob was raised by fantastic parents. His dad was one of the top echelon leadership coaches in the world globally. Just a fantastic home, loving parents. They didn't go to church. They weren't Christian. They weren't believers. Rob bit into society's apple, if you will, and wound up going to seven different drug rehabilitation facilities through the course of his young life, one of which was actually an 11-month wilderness therapy program. But because all of them were just, you know, psychological training or behavior modification programs, none of them actually, in the, at the end, really changed who he was. They just changed some of his behaviors. When we met him, once again, he had dipped his toe off into that water. He wound up moving into our house, just to make the story short, um, we gave him a job in a little company that we were running at the time. Eventually asked him what they wanted to do with their life. There were two guys living in our house. Rob was one of them. And they said, we want to help young men like us, you know, 19, 20-year-old men, figure out who they are and why they're here. We told them we didn't think there was any way to do that without the gospel, without Jesus being at the center of it, because God dictates the identity of every believer. There's 17 verses in the New Testament about Christ in me, and they're fantastic verses. Christ in me, the hope of glory, right? There are 10 times as many passages about me and Christ, and every one of them is a defining verse. So what happens if Rob wakes up and believes that he's the righteous, redeemed, sanctified, set apart, made for good work, led in triumph, servant, saint, and son of God? That's how he's going to act. And that's exactly what happened to Rob. He became a believer after about two weeks of study through this truth of the gospel, this transformative truth. Within one year, his life was so transformed that his father— his mother, and both of his sisters became believers in Christ. He led his entire family back to Jesus. And today is the pastor of a church here in Middle Tennessee that has about 5,000 members. Mm. So does it work? It absolutely works. His calling happened to be in vocational ministry. We don't make vocational ministers. We make disciples of Jesus that ask God, who do you say I am and why did you put me in this world? And then they step into that calling and we support it 100%. Uh, again, we're talking with Stacy and Bill Spencer, narrowgate.org, place you want to turn if you've got a young man in your life, 18 to 25, and you think to yourself, I think, um, I think the guy I know could benefit from this kind of experience. What's that process, um, Stacy? if there's somebody listening right now and they're like, I, 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 I got a guy? 
That's awesome. Well, you know what? That's uh, 95% of the young men that come to Narragate find out about it just like that, word of mouth. So it's definitely sharing the Narragate story or what you've heard with others is a first step. But once they go to the website, it's really easy. There's an online application that we ask guys to fill out. Narragate, I also want to point out, uh, Carmen, is tuition-free. Uh, we are blessed uh, abundantly uh, with very generous uh, partners and ch- uh, churches that make Narragate tuition-free. So a young man's economic background or status is irrelevant to us. Um, but all they have to do is fill out an application, and then someone from our team will contact them. We'll do a couple of series of interviews. And what we're doing in those interviews is really just discerning, is Narragate a place where this young man is going to thrive? Because what we don't want to do is bring a young man here and have him have a negative experience. We're trying to create positive experiences for these guys to build a, a, a successful life. So Narragate isn't the right place for every young man. But to find out if it's the right place for a young man you might know, you can start at the website for sure. All right. That is amazing. I think there are people listening right now who were thinking, yeah, I, I, I loved this idea, but I couldn't imagine that we could ever afford it. And now uh, you've just heard it's tuition free. Narrowgate.org. Narrowgate.org. Um, let's talk a little bit about capacity. Like um, if a young man were to come you know, just describe what that experience is like. It's no longer just, you know, you and like two guys in the extra bedroom. (laughs) No, it's grown a little bit since then. Um, We start a class of five every 60 days. So every other month we start a class of five. But sometimes we have exceptions. Uh, We find an exceptional student. So we'll take six or even seven in a class. So we work with 30 to 36 young men through the course of a year. We're very, very targeted. We know who we're looking for and how to find them. And we know that once we've accepted a young man, he has a 90 plus percent chance of graduating from the program, even though it's very, very difficult, just because he's built, like Stacy said, to thrive in this environment. So making that first phone call, filling out the application and letting the interview process succeed, you know, let that let that start. That's really where we need to begin. Then we're going to couple him together with four or five other young men because we believe, you know, from what we can tell, what the Spirit shows us in the Scriptures is that the church is interdependent. We're the body of Christ. You know, the foot can't say to the hand or the ear can't say to the eye. So we create a scenario of interdependence where young men start uh, in an outdoor environment. They, they live up on what we call the hill. They have everything they need for a, a great camping experience. But they're living outdoors, working outdoors, learning outdoors, living outdoors, cell phones, digital communication. That's taken away for a while so that they can actually do this odd thing called communication. You know, they can sit around a campfire at night and get to know each other. And although they're very different in personality, what they learn is that they're very complementary and very necessary in personality. Friendships form that last the rest of life. And that cohort moves together through this eight-month experience. So at any given time, we have four different cohorts of, of individuals, four different classes moving through. The senior, the senior students are actually helping to teach the junior students, and we're overseeing the whole thing and praying our guts out while it happens. It's just, it's amazing and extraordinary. Hey, we're going to pray for you before, um, before we let you go today. God, thank you so much for Stacy and Bill. Thank you for um, planting this seed in their heart so many years ago. Thank you for the more than 500 young men who have walked through um, this particular narrow gate and, and are now walking in a way that's so pleasing to you. 
encourage Bill and Stacy in this ministry. Continue to pour out all the resources that are necessary for the accomplishing of your will in and through them. And, uh, and thank you, uh, Father, for the lives being transformed even today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank, thank you, you so much. What, what a delight. What a delight. Um, all right. Um, prayers today for you as you're, um, as you're listening. Um, and yeah, one, uh, one headline and prayer concern today. The former president of the United States is expected to appear this afternoon to be arraigned in federal court in D.C. So um, prayers for that as we close out our time together. Have a great day. God bless. So on this Labor Day, I wonder if you are thinking about some passages of Scripture that have to do with work or labor or resting from your labor. I thought we would lift up a few passages from God's Word. Where in the Word are you today on this Labor Day? Uh, Maybe you are in Colossians chapter 3. This is probably the most well-known Labor Day verse, Colossians 3.23. Work willingly at whatever you do as though you are working for the Lord and not for people. So do what you do as unto the Lord. Um, Everything that you do is unto Him. Maybe um, on this Labor Day, since you're taking a day off, I'm taking a day off, so appreciate that. Um, Maybe on this Labor Day, you're thinking about the verse from Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, where Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Like, come to me, all you who labor all you who are weary and heavy laden with the work, with the toil of, uh, of the times, and I will give you rest, even rest for your souls. I hope you're having some soul rest on this Labor Day. Um, Psalm 128, verse 2 is a good Labor Day, uh, Labor Day verse. You shall eat the fruit of the labor of your hands and, and shall be blessed, and it shall be well with you. So, Uh, This goes along with the passage of Scripture, the verse of Scripture that says um, the man who does not work does not eat. Um, That does not mean that we shouldn't be feeding people who cannot work, but it does mean that there is reasonable work for each and every one of us to do, and we eat the fruit of the labor of our own hands. So what kind of fruit is the labor of your hands um, producing today? And that takes us to Galatians chapter 5. I hope that the labor of your hands is producing love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Um, I hope that is the, uh, the fruit salad that is being produced, the fruits of the labor of your life. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. We've got another hour up next, so stay tuned on this Labor Day. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.